Don't ask me to talk. Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas from the ridiculous to the sublime on Don't Ask Me to Talk. Now, here's your host, Stacy Heller. That's me. I'm Stacy Heller. I hope everyone had a safe, fun, and cool Independence Day. Holy cow, it was hot for a while there. Today I am joined by Maria Bartlow. I'm so excited to have you on the show today. I'm going to introduce everybody so they can get a sense of who you are. Um, I'm going to remind everyone that if you can't listen live every week, then you can text D-A-M-T-T to 55678 and you will get information on how you can find the show on your preferred podcast platform. If you like to call in and connect sometime, please do. I mean, I do love the sound of my own voice, but I would probably welcome yours, too. Uh, the number that you want to call is 425-373-5527. You can also connect with me via my website or social media. My website is stacyconnects.com, and my social media is Stacy Connects and uh, D-A-M-T-T show. Okay, so... Today's show is going to be a little bit different. I have less to rant about. Um, I want to focus mostly on Maria. You want to say hi? Hi. <laughs> hi, Stacy. It's good to be here. <laughs> it's so nice to have you. I feel like I just like threw you in the deep end and you're like, okay, I can swim. <laughs> yes, you did do that. I did do that. I have a tendency to do that. Um, so normally I chit chat about God knows what. And just rant and on and on and on. Not really ranting. It's more rambling. Wouldn't you say it's rambling? I would, I would say it's conversation. Nice. You know. Right. Some of it rambling, some of it ranting, but. <laughs> Either way. That's a nice guy over there. Uh, right? <laughs> yeah. My mother is. Yes. Like... Your mother plays a major role in this portion of the show, even though she's <laughs> back east. Yeah. Totally. She, Maria, my mother is uh, 81. Mm-hmm. And she and her friends, Lee and Diane, they always gather on Tuesday nights to listen to the show. They have some cocktails, a lot of cocktails, <laughs> and they listen. And then after the show, I always have to call them to ask how it went. And well, sure. they have thoughts and they typically want to know, is this person single? <laughs> 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 if it's a male guest or, you know, they're curious about what the person has to say or my mom. One week I pre-recorded the show and so I wasn't in studio and my mom called Eric because she thought that he might miss her or me or something. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Yeah, it's, it's nice to hear from her. It really, it's always nice when she. I mean, you know, when a mom calls you, it's kind of a nice thing. So yeah. So anyway, happy fourth, mom and Diane and Lee. I hope you guys had a good time. Um, so Independence Day. So for Independence Day, we always celebrate kind of the birth of our nation and freedom from England and our oppressors over in England. Um, I did a little bit of research, and when I say a little bit. It takes me back to when I had the uh, World Book Encyclopedia mm, at the library, yes. and you just opened it up, and you were like, I researched this ex- this extensively. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so I read that in the summer of 1776, 
when the Declaration of Independence was signed. It technically was signed on the 2nd, fun fact, Mm -hmm. but it took a couple days for it to process, I guess. Government has had red tape for years. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, but apparently throughout the country, um, such as it was, people held like mock funerals and things kind of. Um, to celebrate the death of monarchy and um, having freedom from tyranny. And so what I think is interesting is um, over the years, there have been lots of groups of people that have said, well, we can't celebrate this idea of freedom um, while there is a very un-American perversion of their rights. Exactly. And Mm -hmm. so it's, it's an interesting thing. And that... These thoughts tie in so much to some of what we're going to talk about today. Um, you know, being a woman, being a person of color, or you know, your sexuality, or whatever your right is. If you are not able to celebrate it, then how independent are we truly? Exactly. So, yeah, you know, exactly. fireworks are great and all, folks, but <laughs> <laughs> you know, there is a whole. A whole thing here that we're forgetting about. Um, So, you know, not to bring it down, but that's just something that I was being very thoughtful about. And um, I always end my rambling with a Staceyism. Now, Maria, my Staceyism is essentially me taking someone else's philosophy and adding my own twist to it. (laughs) Okay. That's... Right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. repurposing brilliance. Right, right, okay. <laughs> Which makes it brilliant. Now, let's see. Independence Day of 1776. So what are you going to do? How are we going to fix that? I mean, that was a whole different time frame and everything. A whole different time frame. Mm-hmm. And it kind of ties into um, my philosophy about this. So, And should... I appreciate you taking the extra step of wearing one of those wigs. <laughs> <laughs> People can't see, but you got the whole get up on. It's like you're straight out of uh, uh, revolutionary times. Yes. And by cool. the way, it is dusty up in here. <laughs> uh-huh. Exactly. And, you know, I'm also hot with all these layers of undergarments. Sure. But, you go the extra mile. Uh, you know what? Anything for my art. <laughs> That's right. That's what it's all about. I don't know why you're not wearing the wig I brought you, Eric. Well, I've got the fife and the, you know, the... <laughs> the other stuff here, so I'm 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 pitching in. I just have a scarf. <laughs> Same thing they had in 1776, right? Yeah, a little different perspective. <laughs> exactly, and that's my point. Um, so, for my stasism, you should never underestimate your ability to make an impact. And thinking in terms of the other day, I was. Um, I was driving through McDonald's and my I'm like not a sweet person. I'm a salty person. Mm-hmm. So I wanted some fries. So I went through the drive through and they said, oh, I'm sorry. You know, we're we need to make the fries. Go park in the spot and we'll bring them out to you. Well, I waited and I waited and I waited and it was a long wait. And I'm actually when it comes to fries, fairly patient. However, I was going to be late for an appointment and it got to be ridiculous. So I was like, okay, forget it. I don't need the fries that bad. And I pulled up to the person that was in front of me waiting. And he's this young kid. And I roll down my window. And this young man kind of looks at me like, am I going to get yelled at? (laughs) What is she doing? What does she want? (laughs) Like, 
what did I do? Is she a Karen? What's the deal? <laughs> and so I said, hey, um, I can't wait for my fries anymore. So when they come out to bring fries with whatever you ordered, you get some extra fries. And you would have thought that I had just given him the keys to heaven. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> he was so excited. So my point being that if you just do you, don't underestimate the impact that that has. Then when you think about large things, you know, signing the Declaration of Independence or making the rules that you have or, um, you know, our teachers or our artists or, you know, whomever we are, you may not recognize the impact immediately, but you may actually leave an impact much later on. That's true. Very good. We're going to keep you around. Thank you. <laughs> oh that is very good. I, I just, like I, you know, all of us can make an impact and, uh, it doesn't need to be in a culture where everything is so immediate and you want to be an influencer. Um, instead of trying to influence people to, you know, buy into this trend or buy into this idea or buy into whatever, how about you influence people in a real meaningful, deep way that has a true impact? Mm -hmm. So buy them fries or, you know teach someone or create art or do something that will have a lasting impact. Well, just being nice. Nice is my nice is my bottom line. Mm -hmm. You know, I've decided as you go through the list of things, you know, I'm like money meh, and, you know, looks meh, and being thin or um, being successful. Whose yardstick are you successful by? Mm -hmm. You know, so all of these things, everything seems to collapse until you get to kind. So I completely agree with you. Yeah. That's great. Kindness changes the world. It does. It does. Now we all hold hands and we sing, I'd like to buy the world Bye, a Coke. Uh... I'd like to buy the world some fries. <laughs> I would like to buy the world some fries. <laughs> We're going to have to change that. I really like that. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm actually not going to ramble on uh, for too long today. We're going to take a break because I am really excited to talk to Maria and talk about her story. And then she also has a story to tell about her aunt. So let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, we will talk to Maria Bartlow. We'll be right back. Hey. Don't ask me to talk. When giving presentations, do you feel nervous, worry you won't get your message across, or hold your listeners' attention? Storytelling is an essential business skill most people don't learn. Telling your story clearly, concisely, and with real connection is key because people respond to and learn from stories more than charts or spreadsheets. Find and finesse your story so you can share it effectively with executive storytelling coach Melissa Reeves of Story Fruition. Melissa offers individual coaching, workshops, and webinars that teach the ABCs of Tell Me More, Please. Go to www.storyfruition.com. Hi, I'm J.D.K. Winnikin, host of This Show is All About You. If you're like me, you seek many things in your life. Adventure, meaning, belonging, you have dreams and you want fun, and of course, you want love. And we also want other people to join us along the path. 
But what happens when you don't know how to have all that or where to start? Well, join me every week to learn more about how, because I am just like you. So join me each week here on KKNW for This Show is All About You, a show about how you and me become we and what that means for all of us. And be sure to visit my website, wordsbyjdk.com. Feelings of disconnect are the cause of an ever-surging mental health crisis. Many of us feel apathetic about ourselves, our work, home, and relationships. We don't know how to re-engage. I'm Greg Kuyper of Kuyper Counseling. At the Root focuses on emotional connection and how awareness is at the root of building healthy relationships with self and others. Join me weekly to re-engage with both. At the Root airs Mondays at 3.30 p.m. here on KKNW. Subscribe to the podcast or go to Kuyper Counseling. Hi, this is Lisa Downs, host of Reigniting You, the show that takes a positive, forward-looking approach to mid-to-late career transitions for Gen Xers and Boomers every Wednesday afternoon at 3 o'clock Pacific. Whether you're looking to stay in the traditional workforce, do your own thing, or retire or semi-retire, Reigniting You is your source for career transition advice, inspiration, and insight for what's next in your career and life. Join me Wednesdays at 3 o'clock to get re-energized, recharged, and reignited. Bringing good vibes to the Puget Sound and the world. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am your host, Stacey Heller. I am joined by Maria Bartlow. So I was introduced to you through your son-in-law, Tracy. And I know Tracy through B&I. He's a wonderful guy. And he and I were chatting and we're both introverts, but I'm an extroverted introvert, and he's an introverted introvert. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I'm like, if you were an animal, you'd be a turtle. <laughs> and, you know, so we were chatting, or I was chatting at him, and I was catching him up on what I've been doing because it had been a while. I don't know. There was like maybe a global pandemic and we hadn't been able to connect. And I was telling him about this show and that I also produced some other shows and podcasts and that I really love connecting with people and hearing their story and that that conversation and connection, no matter who you are in the world, no matter how at odds you may seem, if you're both in line waiting for fries, you're both ticked off. That's true. Right? So it doesn't matter what your religious beliefs are, what your sexuality is, your religion, your color, whatever it is. If you want your fries, you Mm -hmm. want them now and you have something (laughs) to connect on. Yes, definitely. So um, so Tracy shared that, you know, he's like, well, you should chat with my mother-in-law. She's amazing. And um, she has such an interesting and rich family history. And then he also introduced me to Quincy. And so I have interviewed him and I will be uploading that episode um, as well in the near future. So that was an amazing conversation. Um, But to you. So before (laughs) we talk about your aunt, I don't really know that much about you. So tell me about you, Maria. Um, Well, your show isn't that long enough for me to tell you (laughs) about me. Nice. We'll have to do extra episodes. (laughs) Uh, I think that um, me personally, I think I'm a very unique woman. You know, I'm a well-educated person. Mm -hmm. I've had to fight for everything. Um, I'm Catholic, and I go by those rules. At least I did. Mm -hmm. Eric Uh, and I are also Catholic. Yeah. (laughs) 
then when I went to high school and graduated, I was part of the newspaper, and I got around to talk to different people and see what the lifestyle was. And I was trying to make up my mind where I wanted to go and what I wanted to be. Ever since I was little, my kids were asking me, what are you going to do? What are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to do? You got any plans? You know. Mm-hmm. So, But I never really did. I thought I did, but I never really did. And instead at that time, um, in the 60s, we were having a lot of different uh, wars. I was part of the Black Panther Party. Ooh. And I knew Huey Newton and all the brothers because we had meetings in an old brown house in Oakland. Wow. And we served rice that we boiled and hot dogs. That's what we ate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Which is, you know, sad. And yet I'm like, I love a hot dog. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's where we had our little conferences in this old brown building, this old apartment house. And uh, at that time, I was really into politics and what was happening. Um, my friends uh, were writing little books and everything and really trying to get us out there. And, you know, I hear my grandson talk about the Black Panthers now, and the whole version has been changed somewhat. And I tried to tell him that when we started, it wasn't so much for a revolution where we can carry guns. Right. You know, the purpose of that was to feed the homeless, to get prostitution out of the system. Mm-hmm. So women can go back to their children and raise their children. Right. And education for these people. This is what it was all about at the beginning, mm-hmm. you know. And we wanted to stand our moral ground with the schools and education. Why weren't we getting the same type of education that everybody else was getting? Right. You know. And um, at that time, a lot of us were tokens. You know, we go up to the university, but because we weren't with, you know, things were a little bit easier, but it wasn't as easy as a person that doesn't have all those things. Right. Even in our own groups, there were lines. Interesting. There were battle lines, you know, as to what you can do, where you can go. Are you going to go to Cuba? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do that? We now, were... was that based on um, your education level? Was it based on the color of your skin? Was it based on your it socioeconomic? Was, it was based on your education, not only through school, but from where you came from and what your ranks were okay, in your neighborhood, whatever that was, okay. and how well you could talk for yourself as well as your people. Okay. How well did you understand what it is that you were doing? Okay. You know, it was that type of thing. And then I, I went through that and uh, I did pretty well. You know, I, I tried to really car- carry on with my friends and with the people that I knew to talk about higher education to find out where the grants were, mm-hmm. to find out where they can get help, you know. And then I did that one bad thing. I fell in love. Ah, uh, I fell in love. This brings everything to a screeching it halt. It did, because my husband could tell me there's no moon and I could be sitting here looking right at it and say, oh, yeah, you're right. I see, there isn't one. <laughs> yeah. Now, that is how dumb after all this education I became. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it does happen to people. So uh, I had three children all in a row because I want them real fast, mm-hmm. you know. And then um, my husband was an architect, but then he was in and out of jobs. Okay. You know, and he also was very verbal in his communication with people and everything. So, needless to say, we were always on that corner. You know, mm-hmm. try to help, 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 help. But ourselves, we could barely pay, get the rent together. It was that type of thing. Right. You know, but um, 
I learned to do all kinds of jobs. I did them. I, I had this thing that I had to take care of my family and my children. Uh, there was times when I worked two, two and a half jobs, you wow. know, and raised my children. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, and these were just the things that I had to do uh, because I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I wanted my children to have more than what I had, although uh, my life was pretty good as a child. I was the only child. Aunts and uncles didn't have any children. So wow. I was it. Yeah, you. <laughs> yeah, that's a sweet I was, spot. Uh, yeah, I was <laughs> it. So all these little things I went into my life, my family would look at me and go, well, why is she doing that? Why does she think that? It was just different revelation of the way I saw things. You know, I was thinking about racism in my generation. It seemed like it was almost a new thing. You know, but then when you go back to the 1930s, the 1920s, the 1800s, Right. It always was there. Right. You know, <laughs> and these are, was new communications that I had to see and learn and go ahead and take back. So it, it seems was, like over time, uh, what happens is, um, isn't it Maya Angelou that said, like, when you know better, you do better? Yes. And so it's taking us a really, really long time to know better. Yeah. And it keeps, you know, there's like a different reiteration. It's like, no, that's still not okay. Yes. You know, it's it's like um, as a black woman goes, you you learn different realms of things. You know, in my family, my family was always mixed up. We had Hispanic, Indians, Swedish, you know, all in my family. So it was really for me at a time, it was difficult to just relate to one group of people because we had it all in our family, mm-hmm. regardless of what was going on outside. Right. It didn't go on in this house, right. that type of thing. So, you know, with all my, my blackness, my attitude and everything out there, there was that line there to my family. Interesting. You know, and a lot of people aren't aware of this, that, you know, we as black people, we go through a lot of inward problems too. You know, if you're a, a black baseball player and you're married to a white wife, and then somebody wants you to stand behind Black Lives Matter. Right. How do you do that? You right. know, when you have a mixed family, you know, how do you do that? How do you address that? See, these are things that people have to go through, are still going through. But there are, I believe there are some ways out of that to get things separated and to learn how to, like your magic words earlier, to be kind, mm-hmm. you know, to listen to people, listen to what they're saying. So we have to learn how to do that. But with all that stuff, you know, as I said, I did about three jobs, two and a half jobs, always, and still sent my children to a private school and helped them travel and do the things they had to do. Now, they're all on their own. My my daughter and her husband, Tracy, they're doing great. You know, they take care of mommy now. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever I'm on the computer, somebody's standing behind me saying, oh, no, mom, don't do it that way. Do it this way. <laughs> You know, which for me, sometimes it gets a little irritating. You know? I, my husband does that to me. And I'm like, look, I have my way. And weirdly, my way is faster mm-hmm. than your way because I don't know your way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, you know, that's that's just the way it is. And I think I'm pretty blessed uh, with that. Both my sons, they do their own thing and they're doing good. So I don't have any problems that way, you know. Our attitudes but are all different. Mm-hmm. So it, that's right. the only thing. 
Well, you know, it goes back to what you said about the fact that your family of origin and the family that you've created, it's it's a I think this is like a, a Yiddish word, a mishigash uh-huh. um, of people. Yes. And that, you know, and basically you have always been living that idea that love is love. Right. Mm-hmm, exactly. So if you are um, black and you fall in love with somebody that's Swedish or mm-hmm. if you're, you know, um, from Puerto Rico or you're, you know, from Mexico or, you know, whatever yeah, it is, yeah. like, it's it's family. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And even yeah. with attitudes, you know, the whole the whole idea is that you can love and respect, you know, I may not um, subscribe to all the things that my mother does. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> <laughs> However, that doesn't mean that I don't love my mother. Um, part of that is me evolving and making my own decisions. Part of that may be generational awareness yes. and exposure and understanding. That's so, the thing, generational order. That's a thing. Mm-hmm. Because every, everybody comes up against that. What my generation did and everything is completely different from what this generation might do, right. do or how they see it. you know. And we all have, keep kind of trying to catch up with each other. Right. You know, I need to learn what he learned so I can have a decent conversation with him. Right. <laughs> so he can be on the right page about things. You right. Know? It's just a matter of growing up, you know, and, and I don't think some of us ever get to that point, you know, because we're always learning. We're always trying to see what else is beyond that, you know. Well, and I think I've brought this up before. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I I had a session with this woman and she talked about this concept of, beginner's mind. Mm -hmm. And I think that we all need to have that beginner's mind. It doesn't matter if you're 7, 17, 77, you know, whatever age you are, having that beginner's mind where, you know, I don't understand your perspective or what you're going through, but talk me through it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and now the weight of what you're going through weighs heavily on you and your experience. And, what I went through was as significant for me as what you're going through. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's, that's the world. That's what we are. That's who we are. That's how we get along or don't get along. <laughs> right. Right. It's, well, it's just the way things are, you know, because we're all different. Yes. You know, in some way or respect, we're all different, you know, and I, I think that's the message that I try to carry on to my kids and anybody that I know that we are basically different in the way we think you know we might have things in, in common but what's really deep down in our hearts and everything can be totally different you know and we have to learn to understand that and acknowledge that mm-hmm. you know and just go on about our way with that in our heart understand that and we don't have that much understanding unfortunately uh, now with the homeless situation and everything in, in my day we didn't have to deal with a lot of homeless you know, and yet it was war, World War Two, and everything. Mm-hmm. Everything was going on. People were coming back. You know, mentally ill. You know, sure. alcoholism, all this other kind of stuff. But there was a certain pride, too. Yes. You know that you held up. There was a certain type of family structure then that was very close. That even when you got old, you could still hear your mother say something to your your father, warning you about something. You know, and people weren't going to live on the street. Yeah. You know, there were a few that did the train stations and everything, but sure. that wasn't their plan. 
right to be on the street you know they didn't it wasn't fun it wasn't a fun thing you know people would lie about being on the street they say oh yes i live right down the road and blah 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 and right they're not you know right so, i mean when they say right down the street they right, right, i mean right, right on the street well and i i i would guess that it seems like world war 2 you know it's like the entire world there was a common enemy and right. then suddenly you know the Korean War and the Vietnam War, those wars, suddenly the folks at home were not behind what was happening. And so the people that took the toll were people coming home. Exactly. Exactly. And for me as an American, a black American, I think that is such a bad thing. Mm -hmm. When you send your kids out, your relatives out, your friends out to go over there and kill somebody to keep you in line as a United States person, mm-hmm. and then they come home and this is what you do to them. You know, it's awful. even now in with uh, the uh, hospitals and everything, you know, a lot of the hospitals for the service people are just going out. They're mm-hmm. not doing the things that they used to do for them. Yeah, the VA used to be such a great exactly, exactly. You know, uh, resource. Exactly. And, you know, now um, exactly. there is just not that support. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're, we're really slow on that report of keeping things going so that these people that kill for us, actually, can be compensated some type of way. Right. You know, we don't do that. Yeah, we, we don't, don't do that. that. So it it's sad, you know. That's I'm starting to sound like you rambling now, but uh. <laughs> well, that's why I invited you on. <laughs> but then, you know, to me that goes back to the homeless that we have here now, and what we're seeing all over is not just in Seattle, California. It's all over. Absolutely, it's, it's a big epidemic all over, you know. And people say things uh, that they should be doing and they they can't do, and you have to get the people out of this well how can you do that right you know what are you going to do you know most of these people need some type of medical help you know and if you give them options sometimes the drugs mean more than their option to get well right you know i mean so what do you do in that so we have to be sympathetic and and kind about that too and really work on different ways that we can help these people Mm -hmm. if we can go overseas and help people and give them millions and millions of dollars why can't we do that right here? I am mm-hmm. so with you. There is, um, I live in Issaquah, and there is a particular gentleman that uh, he has his spot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always the debate of, you know, do you help somebody that's homeless? Are you just giving them money so that they can go out and buy right. you know, their yeah. drugs or their alcohol or whatever? And my belief has always been, you know, just don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. You know, if you want to give to somebody, just give to them. Who cares what happens? Exactly. It doesn't matter. So just exactly. it's about being in that spirit. So there's this one particular gentleman and he's been there forever. And, you know, he'll have a sign that's like, hey, I need my, you know, gas tank filled mm-hmm. or, um, you know, like the propane tank or yes. I need sleeping bags or whatever. And I'll roll down my window and I'm like, I love when you have signs. I know what you need. (laughs) And, you know, and I'll get him in the, you know, colder months. I'll get him a coffee. Yeah. And, you know, I'll give him that. And, you know, I would love to have him come on the show. Mm -hmm. I would love not to put him under the microscope and be like, so, you know, why are you doing this in, in that way? But to have a conversation because he, too, has a story. 
They and, all do. And, you know, so some of it is choices that he's made and some are choices that have probably been made for him. Mm-hmm. And people forget that. See, that's a problem. We do forget that, you know, because there are people who are homeless because they they lost their job. They lost their apartment. They couldn't afford to pay rent anymore. You know, I know a young man that works as a security guard, but he doesn't have a home. He doesn't have an apartment. He's basically in the street, but he goes into any office that he's going to be working at and he cleans himself and everything mm-hmm. and puts on his uniform and he's standing out there because the amount of pay that he gets is not enough to pay for a room. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy. So, I mean, you know, now that's a person you you might want to meet and then show them different ways of how to work, how to get things, how to help themselves. Right. You know, but you find also a lot of homeless people are loners. Absolutely. They're, they're not They've out there the asking. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, we can go around this, but uh, I don't know. If I ever win a lotto someplace, I'm building my building so I can help. <laughs> I would like to help you build that building. I, I will totally, you know what? I'm in. You're in. Okay. <laughs> you have to come in for medical services to start with. There we, we go. go on from there. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Let's take a break. And then when we come back, let's talk a little bit about your aunt, Tony Stone. Okay. All right. That's good. We'll be right back. Don't ask me to talk. Are you stuck in a creative straitjacket, going crazy, trying to find a different way out, exhausted from trying to make old ideas feel fresh and relevant? Popcorn and Noodle is a boutique agency that specializes in popcorning new ideas and noodling on existing ones for entrepreneurs and small businesses. Whether it's ideas about what to name a new venture, how to promote your services, or which direction to consider next, Popcorn and Noodle serves ideas that pop and stick. Don't go crazy. Go to popcornandnoodleideas.com. Creative solutions serve daily. Stacy Heller is many things. Entertaining, yet enlightening. She's a talk show host channeling her inner Fallon. Like Winston Wolf, she's a fixer who gets things done with style. Practical, like Dr. Ruth. Stacy isn't afraid of the uncomfortable when searching for answers. She's your biggest fan and sees your potential before you do. Most of all, Stacy Heller is a synapse who can connect impulses and ideas about your business and yourself into possibility. To connect with Stacy, go to StacyConnects.com. Stacy Connects, it's her superpower. You found us. Maybe you've been guided to listen. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Don't Ask Me to Talk. I am Stacy Heller and I am joined by Maria Bartlow. We've been having a great conversation about Maria and um, I'm sort of fangirling over you because <laughs> you're just um, you're lovely. You're educated. You're articulate. Um, you're aware. You are young at heart and kind. So you said you shared that you were an only child. And you had a community, a family, it sounds like, aunts and uncles that didn't have children themselves. Yes. And so you were raised by a bunch of loving, caring adults. 
That's right. I was. I, I was very lucky that way. You know, um, having children and everything wasn't big in my family. You know, they were career-oriented people. And um, you only think about having children until you've gotten your profession decided to have done what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then you have the time to, to play. That's how my grandfather would put it, to play. Interesting. <laughs> wow. But nobody, nobody did. And uh, I was it. My mom was the one that had two daughters, and uh, my oldest sister died when she was only about four or five, and then it left me. So I spent my time walking around the neighborhood because we all lived in the area on Christmas time on who bought me what and this and that. <laughs> so I was spoiled. <laughs> and my Aunt Tony was one of the people who listened to me because um, when she was playing baseball and everything. I was just a baby. I was just a baby. And um, my family never really played my aunt up like they do now Mm -hmm. with people. You know, Uh, her big deal was to go to different teams to make money and send money home to her mom. This was it. It was her job. Yeah, that was her job. And then if I needed anything or whatever, all I had to do is call her. And she'd say, okay, a package will come to you. You know, and she was really a nice, sweet person. Um, I never realized how famous she was until I got a lot older because my family, again, just didn't go off in a lot of things. Right. It was Tony. Yeah. So uh, one day I was looking in the magazine and I saw my aunt shaking this man's hand. And I thought, well, why is she in this book and who is that? And my grandfather told me, that's your aunt. She's choking. She's, she's uh, taking Joe Lewis's hand. They're shaking. Wow. And, well, who's Joe Lewis? He's a famous fighter. <laughs> you know, I didn't know any of this stuff. None of this stuff, you know. And so I remember talking to her on the telephone, and she told me, she says, oh, yeah, yeah. And she just, she would never really go into anything. Right. You it know? was part of the job. Yeah. And then one summer, we came out to California, and we stayed with my Aunt Tony okay. and her husband. And um, she painted. She loved to paint. And they had like a Victorian house. And she would paint that place from one point to the other, depending on whatever the mood was and everything. So painting the walls or painting? Painting the walls. She would do it. home decoration, yes. I love it. It was like calming would, for her. yes. She would build her steps. She was a great builder, you know, and she would do all this stuff around her house, all by herself, listening to the radio, just doing it, you know. And uh, one day I I asked her, I said, Antonio, when you were away for a long time, sometimes I remember picking you up uh, at the airport, you know, and people were taking pictures of you and everything, and that's about when she was coming out of baseball. Mm -hmm. And uh, she said, yeah. She said, what about it? I mean, because that's the way she was. Right, yeah, it, you know? yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, what were you doing? Where were you coming from? You know? And so she told me about the baseball club that she was in at that time. Mm-hmm. And uh, she told me about some hits she had made. And, and this is really kind of going over a kid's head, more or less. You know, right. My Aunt Tony was the one that grabbed me by the hand and we walked down Telegraph Avenue in Oakland to Sears and she picked up my tennis shoes for me and oh. brought me some shorts and stuff so I can go to camp. You know, that okay. was my aunt Tony. Right. You know, there was one time, uh, 
she took me to a game and we drove out there and a bunch of people were playing ball and again maria didn't care she wanted to know where the popsicles were and everything <laughs> <laughs> and they were all asking me you know well how do you like being with your aunt today you know and i said oh i i, I love being with my aunt right now i'm living with her so we're having a good time you know right and they asked me if i was interested in baseball and of course i said no <laughs> <laughs> didn't even like baseball you know right. I mean, where's the popsicles? Yeah, exactly <laughs> we had to talk about that too when we got in the car and she was driving home she says how do you know you don't like it i say i can't i can't hit a ball you know and i, I it, when it scares me when balls are coming people are throwing balls at me and stuff and that scares me she says well you haven't even tried you know you want to try and i said oh sure sure i really didn't want but right. i knew that's what she wanted to hear so i said sure and we got out the car. She went into the garage and she got a baseball and she came out and she was going to throw that ball to me. So all I would have to do is catch it, right? Mm-hmm. And she put this little glove on me and I'm trying to do all this stuff and I'm, <laughs> I'm ducking and diving. And most of the stuff I had to do was crawl into the cars and everything and get the ball and everything. <laughs> and finally, I got really nasty about it. And I'm thinking, I don't want to play this. It's too hard. And she threw the ball at me. So I went to duck, and instead I came right back up, and that ball hit me right in the head. Oh. <laughs> it hit me right in the head. Then I, w- I cried, and I cried, and I was telling everybody, oh, Tony hit me in the head for the baseball. <laughs> and it hurts. <laughs> it was so hard. I mean, it was the well, biggest and, drama. Well, and it was, yeah. probably, because, I mean, she was a yeah, professional baseball exactly, player. <laughs> exactly. That was a hard ball, too. Right. I, that wasn't anything to play with. I mean, it was just those things that I remember about my aunt, you know. Uh, I remember about calling her on the phone where I had this bad conversation with my mom and asking my aunt, well, why does she do those things? Why? And I can just see my aunt today just kind of calming down and saying, you know, you just have to lighten up, Maria. Just lighten up. You don't know what she's gone through or what she's doing. You know, and sometimes it's hard for people to tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, she says, forget about it right now. Don't take it personal because you know it's not personal. Your mom loves you. You know, and she, she was just that kind of person that she would come out. I didn't realize until my teenage years that I found all the letters she had written in the contracts and everything. Wow. And how she had to, she handwritten the letters asking them for more money. People say that she was making like $12,000. That wasn't true. She would be on, on the, the bus with all these men mm-hmm. days on end. She'd be the only woman on that bus. I know. So actually, let's, let's tell people who your aunt was. My aunt was Tony Stone. Sometimes they called her Tony Tomboy Stone. Mm-hmm. And she played with the um, San Francisco uh, Patriots. And she played with, no, it's not the Patriots. We were just out there last weekend. The Sea Lions? The or? Sea Lions. Yep. Sea Lions. And uh, in the Black Leagues, uh, Hank Aaron was being taken out because he was going to play with the other teams, mm-hmm. the white teams, more or less. And she took his place, first base. And which was really something in that day, uh, yeah. you know, she she was often um, criticized because she would always wear the man's uniform and everything. But her th- theory was he, she was playing with them. Right. You know, 
and she did not make changes that way. Um, her manager wanted her to wear stand by a Lincoln and wore a short skirt, you know, to bring the feminine sides out. Right. She didn't need to do it. She didn't feel at her time that she was compelled to do anything like that. And when I think of her, I think about Althea Gibson and other women like that that had gone through the same thing, you know, uh, who ended up without any funds, right. you know, who had just played for the medals and everything and played because people want to see them and they love the game. Right. You know, so they were out there. And that's where my aunt was. She loved the game. She would play with anybody that wanted her, you know, and a lot of times she didn't get paid hardly anything. Mm. The men got paid more than she did on the bus. You know, and this was a really huge thing because the managers and everything wanted to promote her as the first female out because that gets the money. And sure. the women would come to see her play. Absolutely. You know, but nobody ever thought about her when she was riding in this bus day in and day out. Right. You know, where should we go to stay? You know, some of them, sometimes they would have hotels that they could get rooms at and then sometimes they wouldn't. They'd have to go straight through, you know. And uh, yes, my aunt Tony could drink. She could play cards. She could do all the games the guys could. And and one guy said that she could just really poke your eye out when she wanted to, because <laughs> she was really she could be really physical when she had to be. Sure. And uh, that's kind of the race she the way she was raised too, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, her family didn't uh, take anything from her by saying that she should be a woman, play with women's clothes and do the female things and everything. She wanted to play for the game and also to get up on the game to let other women know that you can do this, mm-hmm. you know, because that's the thing that she would always tell me when I cried, called her crying, you know, I can't do this because I can't do this. And she'd say, just shut that up. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Enough of that. I mean, you know, that you can do anything you want to do if you just get out there and try it. You know, all anybody has to do is say yes to you. And if they say yes, then you're good. If they say no, then you know exactly what to do. Go back and try again. Mm -hmm. And that's the same thing that she had to do. You know, when she started playing ball in school, uh, she was so determined to play on the team. And it was a boys team, a white team, you know, and it's also a Catholic team. Mm -hmm. And they did not uh, want girls on their team. You know, leave alone a little black girl on the team. She went to her priest. And she asked her priest if he could help her get on. And because she was always hanging around the church and everything, mm-hmm. you know, it was in those days when kids had more freedom. Yes. You know, and uh, the church talked to another person, the guy that actually worked on the club. And that's how she got on the team. OK. Yeah. And she I mean, she just performed. She didn't care what anybody said. She just performed and did it. I was going to say, I mean, she didn't need to wear the skirt to whatever. I mean, everybody already knew that she was a woman. Exactly. So she doesn't need to highlight that. Right. And instead, what she wanted to highlight is her skills mm-hmm. and her deserving spot on the team. Exactly. Exactly. That's what it was all about. You know, uh, and I know people ask me, well, you know, was she liberated? Was she into women's lib and did all of that? And I said, no, she really wasn't. She was just... Tony Stone doing her job, you know, uh, she knew how to drive. She knew how to do things, you know, men's things as well as women's things. Mm -hmm. And she did it well, you know, and she never thought of herself as uh, a pure standout. You know, she just knew that what she did 
she did well and she wanted to be recognized for that, you know, and it's sad for me to say that she is recognized for it, but it didn't come until afterwards, mm-hmm. you know, like the way it is with everybody. Right. And, uh, but as a good person, uh, she was great as a baseball player. She was great. She even lied about her age to get on one team. She, really? Yeah. Yeah. Was she too old or too young? She was getting too old. Oh. And she wasn't ready to stop. <laughs> Yeah, and I can't, I'll have to call you and tell you the name of the team because my memory is gone with my 77 years. But uh, she had lied to them, and uh, she was getting reaching 30, about 35. Wow, yeah, which, I mean, in even in today's baseball, yeah. you know, that's like. Yeah, but she told them she was only 22 or something like that, and she got in. <laughs> they let her in, and she got the contract. Yes, she did. Yeah, yeah. That's so, amazing. Yeah. So, um. It goes back to that piece that I was talking about um, on your ability to make an impact. You know, she didn't, the goal wasn't to go out to be an influencer or to make an impact. Right. The goal was to pursue something that she loved, do it the best that she can, and pursue any opportunity that she could. Exactly. And kind of like, mind her own business. (laughs) That's it. That's it. She was just like that, you know. And um, when the wars came and everything like that, she drove trucks and she helped pave concrete and and do airplane stations and all this other kind of stuff. She worked hard at everything she did, but she did do it. And that's what made herself proud of herself, Mm -hmm. you know, and she was able to help her family, you know, including me. (laughs) So um, she was great. Well, you carried that on clearly. Well, I try, you know, I, I try to announce her and and program with her even though she's gone as to what she has done because I said to you I was a late bloomer as far as my aunt because my family would just they just didn't discuss all that right you know it seemed like everybody in my family I'm really proud to say uh, was educated in the way that a lot of people weren't in that time, mm-hmm. you know, in the 30s and 40s and everything like that. Mm-hmm. My mother was a nurse and she played classical piano on the side because that's what she loved to do. That's awesome. You know, yeah. And there, my my Aunt Bunny, who was my Aunt Tony's younger sister, she was in the war and she made some heavy achievements in the war. And it just goes on and on and on. These people did what they wanted to do and had to do in order to take care of themselves at the time. You know, and just like I said, my grandfather would tell them, and he even told me about having children and everything. Don't do that now. <laughs> you've, you've got time to do that, you know. And and at that period of time, that was really something to say, you right. know. Don't come home talking about, oh, I had an accident. That doesn't <laughs> even happen. <laughs> right. I mean, hello, we're Catholic. Yeah. Uh-huh. So my Aunt Tony never had any children. Um she had a dog named Mr. Fuzzy that she loved to death. And uh, then she had me to deal with. Mm-hmm. So, And you said she was married? She was married to my uncle Aurelius Pesha, Pesha Aurelius, who was a lot older than she was. Okay. My uncle died when he was 103. Wow. In uh, Oakland. He lived in San Francisco most of his life. When um, she married him, he was almost as old as my grandfather. My grandpa. Okay. And there's a story to that, too. Okay. You know, he... Um, I bet she was... Um, he must have been a uh, an intellectual equal. Yeah, he was. had been a probation officer in his day. He had ran a boat across San Francisco in his day. He was uh, 
in World War One and had all kinds of ribbons and stuff. He was really a nice guy. But uh, for my aunt, it was something that he just really loved her. He had met her. They met at a club in San Francisco, and she really didn't want to have anything to do with him <laughs> because, again, she was in ball and everything, and right. she was going to these young guys all over and everything. And my uncle was a lot older than she was, but he made her well in, in a certain respect. Mm-hmm. You know, he took care of her. You know, he would talk to her. You know, he wasn't one of the guys on the bus. Right. You know, and, and they could really bring down some conversation that was really good for her. That's so you know? cool. Oh, yeah. Now, yeah. I know on um, Juneteenth, which is, yay, yes. it's a federal <laughs> holiday. And, uh, you know, just in time this year, um, it became a federal holiday yes. right before um, the actual day. And you had a unique opportunity with your daughter, right? Oh, yeah, my daughter um, and Tracy. We went to um, San Francisco Giants game, and they gave me, um, oh, God, I'm going to say this wrong, a jersey. They gave me a jersey, mm-hmm. uh, and it was the same from the club that my aunt had. The Sea Lions. Sea Lions. Which I, I read that um, they couldn't afford uniforms at the time, right. so they were the old Cubs uniforms, exactly. so there was the Cub paw or something exactly. on it. I think that's exactly. So they presented that to me, and I was just really so happy. And I just thought, "Oh, Antonia, you should be here now." <laughs> you know? She was, uh, yeah. That was that was really a great moment for her, as far as I'm concerned, to be so recognized by everybody. Absolutely, you know. And they had her pictures all over and everything. Um, also, last year, right when COVID hit, there was a play about her, and we saw that Tony Stone uh, in San Francisco at the Paramount. And, so great. Yeah, and they're going to do it. They're going to reopen it again, and it's going to go into New York. Okay. Yeah, so that's good. <laughs> it is good. It is good. Uh, I, I, there's clearly a major streak of um, fierceness and independence, and I love the fact that you're so fortunate that you had a role model um, as a woman and as a woman of color, and, you know, the world is your oyster, and that's the way it should be for everybody. Yes, definitely, definitely. You know, that's what Independence Day is yes. supposed to be about, yes. right? Yes, I have been so blessed, so very blessed, and I still am, so. I, it's just amazing. I have so enjoyed talking with you. I could probably um, spend several hours talking with you and hope to in the future. Okay. However, for this particular episode... Um, we're going to have to start shutting down here. Okay. <laughs> um, so thank you. Thank you for the time. Thank you for, um, I don't know, just being you. It's Oh, I just want to say thank you for having me. I really enjoyed talking with you. You know, and I hope you, I hope you learned a little bit from me. I have from you. So Absolutely. It's really, really good. And I'd be glad to come back again sometime. Awesome. I would love that. Um, if you want to know more about um, Maria's aunt, you can look up Tony Stone. She comes up immediately, and it's spelled with an I, T-O-N-I. Yes. And just fascinating. And, um, you know, do some research. Um, you'll be happy for the time that you spend doing it. Um, so thank you again to you. Thank you to Eric, as always. Um, and next week, I am joined by Jennifer Harris. She is an HR consultant 
who actually has a personality. (laughs) I know. Seems like an oxymoron, but it's true. So make sure that you stay connected and stay cool. Have a great week, everyone. You too.